Hey everybody, welcome to the Disablest Report, official podcast of the Disablest Network. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about us and our organization, feel free to visit our website at disablest.org. If you would like to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can head on over to patreon.com backslash the Disablest Network. You'll get access to behind-the-scenes content, monthly updates, and a few other things you'll have to just jump on over there to check out. If you don't want to become a patron but you would still like to support the show, you can go to our website and click the donate button. Every little bit helps. Uh, before we get started, uh, going to, I guess, kind of kick things off with a meme. Uh, here we have, it's kind of just some text uh, today, and it includes the phrases, uh, I want to help the needy, but that's scratched out. And then below that is the sentence, I want to help dismantle the systems that make them in need. Um, that's apropos for today. Um, our guest is Aaron Noon, and we're going to be talking about representations of disability in film, um, what that means uh, for a larger understanding of our people and all of that jazz. So, um, Aaron, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, um, tell us a little bit uh, about you, and um, then we'll just go ahead and kick things off. Sure thing. Hey, Kyle. How's everybody doing today? Uh, my name is Erin Noon Kay, and I'm the CEO and founder of Claiming Disability LLC. We are a media company that works to educate, advocate, and empower the disabled community through media projects like the Claiming Disability podcast, which you can also check out on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, where all your podcasts are available. Um, I'm not typically uh, used to being on the other side of the chair where Kyle is. Uh, I'm the host of that podcast, and I talk about uh, disabled representation in Hollywood, disabled representation in film, authentic disabled representation in film. I've been lucky enough to sit down with director Jim Lebrecht, um, the director of Crip Camp, which is a documentary hopefully you guys have seen on Netflix about a group of campers from the 1970s and these group of campers uh, become a part of the disability rights movement part of the capital crawl a huge part of disability history I've also had the luxury to interview Lolo Spencer who is uh, huge in the disabled community we love our girl Lolo um, and she's currently on HBO's Sex Lives with College Girls with uh, producer Mindy Kaling. So, uh, yeah, I I love film. I love TV. I love authentic um, disabled representation. Another person that I've been able to sit down with is Steve Way from the show Rami. Um, and again, I feel like we're kind of in a golden age for disability and media personally. Um, now, of course, there's some advocates out there that disagree and uh, think that we need um, better representation or whatever. But I honestly, like the people I just mentioned, like we've got some amazing disabled representation in Hollywood right now. And again, all those shows that I mentioned, those are authentic disabled people, playing disabled people, not cripping up, not an able-bodied person, playing a disabled person, actual disabled people playing um, disabled characters. Like uh, my friend Lolo Spencer likes to say, she brings 
the humanity to um, her character Jocelyn on the Sex Life's College Girls. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really into uh, shows. I just had an article uh, that was published on um, the disabled representation in the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, They hired a bunch of disabled actors, some of who are my friends. Um, I'm really lucky to know them. I've also been part of the Easter Seals Film Challenge, which is big with disabled representation and film. I just love it. So that's why I'm involved in it. Yeah. I do want to mention, too, that I would probably be, um, you know, kind of my first reaction would be to agree with you in terms of being in like a golden age of disability representation. Um, But you know i i would say that the whole purpose of talking about um you know minority populations about whether that be about disabled people um the lgbtq community people of color all of that kind of stuff is that we can always work to do better in terms of our representation and i think that when people hear you know it, you you mention oh yeah you know we're in the feel it feels like we're in the golden age of um you know disability representation right now i feel like people may think that that means that there's nowhere that we could go from here that that like we couldn't you know get better than what we are and that's absolutely not necessarily um you know what that implies it definitely <laughs> at least with with my limited knowledge on on film um we are definitely in a significantly better place than we've ever been in um, up to this point, which I think is, you know, the point that you're trying to make. You know, even 10 years ago, I don't think, uh, I don't know about you, but um, I've seen a lot of films, um, whether that be, uh, you know, kind of focusing on main characters that have disabilities or even just characters in supporting roles that have disabilities. I, I never thought if I'm going to be honest, that I would see, um, that kind of representation. Um, I I would like to ask just to give everybody a little bit of, uh, like background knowledge if they're not, uh, as versed in film as you are. I definitely am not (laughs) as versed in, in film as you are. Um, but I, uh, just to like kind of clarify, can you explain why, um, film has such an important influence on understanding and realization of disability uh, in terms of like a pop culture um, kind of rationale? Um, Precisely. Uh, You guys can check me out on TikTok, um, Aaron Claiming Disability. Um, But I talk about this concept a lot, Mm -hmm. which is how uh, we got Together, you saw my video about disability film, talking about uh, Quiet Place, talking about uh, Run with Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen. Um, so I think it's really funny because I one of the top comments that I always receive anytime I post a video about disability and authentic disabled representation in film and television is the top comment I receive is, well, they're acting. (laughs) Like an able-bodied person is just acting. Like they're acting as a person with a disability. But in my opinion, and again, I have 
done a lot of stuff with film and disabled representation, but I don't consider myself like a major expert. But again, it comes from, I don't want to see Brian Cranston pretend to be a quadriplegic. Mm. I just, I would rather see which don't get me wrong, I love Breaking Bad. We all love RJ Mitty, you know, worship the church of RJ Mitty up in here. Like we love um RJ Mitty. RJ Mitty, especially for me, because I did not mention, um, but I have cerebral palsy. Okay. Um, that's I like to call that the rock star disability. <laughs> that's pretty typical. Um, a lot of people have cerebral palsy. R.J. Mini and Breaking Bad has uh, cerebral palsy, and so do I. Again, this is why I'm super passionate about the issue. And again, it's like what Kyle said. When I grew up back in the day, in the 90s, y'all, I didn't see people who look like me on television and movies. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I never saw it. And even the closest thing I got was seeing the guy on Glee and then you find out the guy's not really disabled, and it just, you know. There are so many problems with Artie's character. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and exactly. Like, and it's it's problematic. And again, I go back to, well, these people are like, well, these people are acting. Able-bodied people are acting. Mm-hmm. Frank Cranston is acting. Daniel Day-Lewis is acting. You know, yes, they're actors. That's what they're paid to do. But when you want a authentic portrayal of disability you hire a disabled person not jared leto and again (laughs) that's a huge issue where he was rolling around in a wheelchair to try to get in character and i'm sorry kyle to speak out of term potentially on your lovely podcast here but i don't think actors rolling around in a wheelchair for three or four weeks during filming is the same as a disabled person who has actually had the lived experience of being a disabled person, especially yeah. when there's so many actors, Steve Way, Lola Spencer, Tatiana Lee, Berton Banks, George Steves. There's so many people, Nick Novicki, people in our industry, in the film industry, that are the perfect people to cast in these roles. And again, I talk about this a lot on my own podcast, but what it boils down to is Hollywood currently has a huge issue with access. Mm. I was just telling somebody the other day that movie sets and television sets do not need to be ADA compliant. They don't. They, They only have to comply by the Screen Actors Guild. So again... A lot of these issues aren't there's not disabled actors to fill the roles. It's that disabled people can't find access to get the roles and then to have actual accessibility when they get there. That's why my shirt that you can pick up at my merch store says accessibility creates real inclusion. Um, And I think it's funny because when I talk to my friend Steve Way and he talks about being on the show Rami, it's an Emmy-winning show, and he's one of the main characters. But again, he is a huge advocate in the disabled community and in the Hollywood space, talking about needing PCA care. Now, if you're not familiar with PCA care, it's 
personal care assistant. Um, Steve needs a personal care assistant when he's on set for 18 hours a day. Yeah, and for sure. And again, like he's opening those conversations of needing health insurance as an actor. Um, believe it or not, actors really don't get paid that much. Like I know that's like like what you're on a hit show, but I'm like also they're like a side character, but yeah, but right now we're just solely focusing on getting authentic disabled representation in movie and film. Yeah, I think too that kind of to liken it to a conversation that people are more used to hearing. Um, there, there is a phrase that I tried researching the origins of it before, uh, you know, when I was creating the framework for this episode, and it's the phrase "nothing about us without us." Um, I do know that it has origins in the disability rights movement, um, but I'm not sure exactly where it came from. But anyways, um, it came you know, from Judy Human, the oh, mother of disability rights. Judy Human. Okay, okay. Um, Judy Human and Jim Lebrack. Yep, that's where it came from. Yeah. Oh, I apologize. My dogs are barking. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, my kind of point in bringing all of that up, even, is that. Um, you know, we wouldn't think twice, for example, for today to cast a, a white person to play, you know, um, a black character, for instance, right? Um, obviously, there's history involved in that with, um, you know, the use of things like blackface and all of that kind of stuff that were that were terribly racist looking back at it now. Um, but, you know, there isn't kind of a... Um, there isn't a recognition that, to some degree, hiring an able-bodied actor to quote-unquote perform a disability um, and, and make it look authentic, to me at least, feels like that blackface era in, in mm -hmm. acting. Um, and, you know, we might not need to, to go in, into depth and say exactly why that is, is bad if people are familiar with it, but I will a little bit in saying that uh, in that, uh, you know, in kind of what you've been getting at is that there is a lot of nuance that can't, that can't be conveyed through acting and has to be, um, you know, kind of rooted in that lived experience of that person. There are little nuances of living a disabled life that an able-bodied person, no matter how good of an actor or an actress that they are, just aren't going to be willing to, um, you know, convey in a, a method that would be, I guess, as effective. Um, also, you know, little things stack up really quickly, and there could be a lot of little things that would ultimately lead to an inaccurate representation of um, a particular disability, of living with a particular disability, um, and all of that stuff, you know, can be super easy to skirt over, especially, as you're mentioning as well, if we're getting, like, directors and producers and things like that who are um, involved in, like, typecasting characters but they have no idea what it's like to actually live with CP or they have no idea what it's like to live with, uh, you, you know, live like as a quad amputee, but they're expected to convey the day-to-day -day life of somebody who has those diagnoses. Um, so, right. right? Exactly. So, so yeah. it, there, there's this weird disconnect that for some reason, um, 
isn't really making sense. And I would say too, um, you know, just because of the day and age that we are, I would say that probably the LGBTQ community is close to that as well. Um, we are seeing a lot more representation of LGBTQ characters um, in TV, movies, reality TV, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, just like with disabled characters, just like black characters, the more that we get of that, the closer that we'll get to having, you know, more of an authentic kind of conversation. And that's really the whole thing, like, right, Aaron, is that this is supposed to evoke productive conversation about disabled people. And if you're actively oh. excluding disabled people from playing the roles of our of our own people, then what is that saying about what Hollywood thinks about disabled people in general, you know? Precisely. I mean, I couldn't have said it better, Kyle. And if you would allow me to just kind of segue for just a second. So Absolutely. Go ahead. My company, Claiming Disability LLC, one of the big things. So I started my company three and a half years ago. I'm disabled as hell. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh, I'm disabled as hell. I'm very, very physically disabled. And I think sometimes when people hear me say that, they're, they, they hear me say, like, people with invisible disabilities don't matter. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying mm -hmm. I am a person who cannot pass. Mm -hmm. When you see me rolling down the road, um, I've got a crooked spine. I have lots of scars. Um, I use a walker. I'm I'm a 33-year-old, about to be 34-year-old who's bent over all the time. Um, I can't hide my disability. All disabilities are valid. Invisible disabilities, physical, everybody's disability, all disabilities are valid. But when I started my company, I wanted my company to be rooted in disability pride. If you're not mm -hmm. familiar with what disability pride is, disability pride is the idea that we are disabled and proud. We are proud of who we are as people and there's nothing wrong with us per se. It's society that needs to create access for us. Mm -hmm. It's, we live in an ableist world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for people who don't really understand ableism or anything, it's, it's essentially oppression of disabled people in a lot of systemic ways kind of going back to your meme about mm -hmm. you know helping the needy but actually giving people systems to help themselves yeah i would um, say i when explaining ableism to people i i usually use the examples of like racism and classism and sexism because people are generally familiar with those and you know tell them hey it's similar to that but towards disabled people instead of black or brown people or instead of uh, people on the LGBTQ spectrum, all of that kind of stuff. Um, right. And people it's, tend it's our to own understand form that. of oppression, mm -hmm. and it's in the workforce, it's in our daily interactions, mm -hmm. it's how we, you know, navigate the world. We just deal with ableism, and yeah. I'm sure Kyle has a ton of stories. I have a ton of stories. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, my company is rooted in disability pride. And let me give you a definition from my own company. Disability pride is celebrating our community because disability is a community. Disability is a culture. I celebrate disability culture. 
disability of pride, disability pride is not celebrating symptoms of our disability. It's not saying, you know, oh, I have, you know, crippling back, literal crippling back pain every single day, and I'm celebrating a symptom. I'm celebrating that I'm disabled, I'm part of a community, and I'm part of a culture. That's what disability pride is. Now, to link it back to Hollywood and Hollywood writers and actors and all of that. So we all know, or maybe we don't, um, of these kind of sad tropes mm -hmm. that exist uh, within disability and film. Um, so when a disability story is being told from an able-bodied point of view, it's very easy for it to become inspiration porn, mm -hmm. uh, for it to become Forrest Gump. Now, before y'all jump all over me, y'all, I love Forrest Gump, but it is ridiculously problematic as a disabled person looking back. I mean, you literally have the man who is, as a kid, he has braces on like I have, AFOs, and he's ripping off of his braces because of sheer will um, that those redneck kids are chasing him. Yeah, I'm going to be but, the last person to jump on you about that. So don't worry about me. Really? Okay. I just, I got a lot of flack for my Forrest Gump video. And I'm like. No, I'm let, let them. Let them. Like, give give me flack. Give, give our <laughs> channel ratings, please. <laughs> like, I mean, guys, if you want to send me mean comments about how much you hate or how much you love Forrest Gump and how it's such a perfect representation of the disabled experience, Whatever we don't I, want to hear. I would say yeah. I would say that if you think that you're out of touch, but but yeah. oh, but okay. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things, right? The brace is ripping off. He's like, and the other thing is like when you really take a deep dive into Forrest Gump, you realize that he has no life of his own because mm. he's just essentially being told what to do by able-bodied people who are yeah. like, you should do this, you should do this, and guys. Here's another thing about disability pride and claiming disability and what I stand by as a founder of my company. Disability can't be overcome. I know. I know. It's a shocker. It can't be overcome. It that, really can't. That, that's not a shocker to people who listen to our show. I will tell, I will tell you that. We say that constantly on, uh, on our show. And we also have um, actually uh, merchandise of our own. Speaking of like inspiration porn, we have a shirt that says "Inspiration Porn Star" on it. Um, so oh, yeah, so we're we're very well aware of all of these uh, all of these tropes as well. Um, and so you know, in talking about authenticity and uh, how to represent you know disabled characters in an authentic way, uh, inspiration porn kind of shows the opposite of that, right? And you know what. Uh, what Aaron's getting at is that if there's a character who serves the role of giving able, abled or, and or neurotypical people, you know, an attaboy, like a pat on the back, like, look how great you have it, as opposed to, like, you know, you and I, because, uh, you know, we're on the chopping blocks here, like, look how great you have it, as opposed to Aaron and Kyle, they're so brave. Um, when, it, when it comes yeah. down to, like, 
to looking at us not as people, but reducing us to objects of your pity, that's when it becomes a problem. And this is the um, kind of historical context that Aaron and I have been getting at throughout this entire episode, is that it used to be that we were the butt of jokes. Um, well, historically speaking, you know, disabled people, one of the earliest jobs that we could hold were jesters in courts. So I think that that's where that stereotype comes from. Circuses. We were in circuses. Yeah. Well, uh, I I will do you one better. What were we called in circuses? We were called the freaks. We were called. We were uh, in I the freak show. And see, Kyle, you may not agree with me. I've had this conversation with Nick Novicki and a couple of my disabled friends. And mm-hmm. I actually love the movie Freaks. I think it's one of the purest forms of disabled representation out there. And again, it's so non-PC, right? Because it's like. <laughs> It's 1939, and the premise of it is terrible because it's essentially this able-bodied woman taking advantage of this disabled guy who's a millionaire. But I would say in comparison to stories of nowadays when you have all this inspiration porn, and I mean, at least all the disabled people on that set got paid. <laughs> like, And they were all <laughs> actual disabled people. I mean, and it's... It's, I mean, The Simpsons, I'm a huge film and movie nerd. Like, there's so many cultural references to the movie Freaks. Obviously, American Horror Story Freaks. Mm. Um, that's where that originally came from. And then, um, you know, The Simpsons, Family Guy. Like, all, there's so many cult references um, to that movie particularly and again it's so bashed as like horribly inappropriate because you have all these disabled people who are attacking able-bodied people it's kind of a mood that, kind i of was mood. i was gonna say i could get i could i can feel that one like i, <laughs> I mean, understand that bit. like you're kind of like you know disabled people rise up and and i I like that a little more than I like my left foot, you know? So, so I think that, and you can, you can give me your opinion of this, but it seems to me like what's been lacking, not necessarily as of late, um, what's been lacking in the authentic representation of disability in film seems to me to be a, a kind of a more accurate representation of the frustrations involved that we have, that we experience on a day-to-day basis in dealing with ableism. Um, Right. A lot of it seems to me, at least, to be, hey, here's this platter, and on this platter is all of these able-bodied norms. Now, this is what you need to do in order to fulfill these desires. Now you can go forth and be a quote-unquote good disabled person. When actually Um, that's the complete opposite of what, you know, a positive representation of disability in film should look like. At least that's that's my rationale of all this. And I'm not nearly as versed in film as you are, like I said uh, a number of times. You're so sweet. I'm not. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, you are. Compared to me, at least, absolutely. Um we're we're coming uh, unfortunately we're already coming at the the end of this episode but um i i did want to kind of leave this piece off with a little um 
you know, maybe you want to give a little monologue or something like that, because I would like to pose the question to you, like, you know, how should Hollywood, but also independent um, filmmakers um, handle disabled characters from this point forward? Or how would you like to see them handle disabled characters to make them more authentic? So when I sit down with director Paris Barclave next week, I will tell him, I, as much as I, with the new Jeffrey Dahmer series, I appreciate the disabled representation. I appreciate the Black ASL actually being portrayed on the screen. Because uh, if you think about it from a historical context, we only really show white ASL. Mm -hmm. And actually, there's there's a whole different dialect. I don't know if dialect is the right word, but that takes place when people are communicating with Black ASL. And so that, to me, was the most moving part of the series, to see that on screen, because it's such an authentic thing. You have two disabled actors who are deaf, who are Black, who are gay, communicating with black ASL, like it's the purest thing that we could possibly have. And again, it comes back to, to get authentic representation, you need authenticity from every facet. Mm -hmm. You need disabled writers, which we exist, disabled screenwriters, you need disabled um, editors, which I'm a disabled editor, <laughs> like I'm a disabled PR person. You know, you're a disabled PR person. Um, you need disabled actors, sure, but you need everybody involved. And for, again, whenever I talk to these media companies or when I have these conversations, they always go, well, where are the disabled? Where are they? Where are disabled writers? I'm like, we are literally everywhere, everywhere. and we exist. Yeah. The reason that Steve Waves on Rami, an Emmy-winning Hulu series, is because he was best friends with Rami Yusuf throughout his life, but also he's an amazing actor and comedian. These disabled people are out here every single day hitting the pavement. Yes, you've got people like RJ Mitty, but you also have people like Nick Novicki and, you know, you have actors like Verton Banks and the people, like Nicole Evans, who are willing to sit for hours on a set just to get a cameo in a series. Mm. Like, disabled people are out here and disabled, I know lots of disabled writers, I know lots of disabled producers. Again, if you don't know where to start, start with the Easter Seals Home Challenge. That is literally a challenge created for disabled writers, disabled producers, disabled directors. Like, again, we are everywhere. We are everywhere. You just have to actively try to find us. And again, like, so when I was talking to Jim a few years ago before he went to the Oscars, because uh, Crip Camp was nominated for an Oscar, and unfortunately, it didn't win. An octopus won, but oh well. <laughs> but um, so Jim was nominated for this Oscar, 
and he is a wheelchair user. He's disabled as hell, like myself, like you. And the Oscars are not accessible. Mm. They just, they never have been. You want to know why? Because yeah. we don't have disabled people win Oscars. Yeah. Now, for those of you who are listening, you know, like, ah, 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 Aaron, Troy from CODA just won an Oscar. You're like, fair enough. He did win an Oscar. But again, he is so... um being part of the deaf community is different in the disabled community. But essentially the point is it all comes down to access, right? Like we had no access. So there was no way he was going to win because the Oscars weren't even accessible. So let's start with creating access for disabled people and giving disabled, because I guarantee you there's no authentic disabled representation that I've ever seen where I'm like, you know, that just didn't do it for me. Now there's a caveat. There's a caveat because there's a lot of issues with CODA. And I know it's disabled blasphemy, but I don't care. That's just part <laughs> of my style. Um, but like well, with I... CODA, there were just a lot of issues of the script and the writing and again that comes down to who is the story for yeah is the movie to make able-bodied people feel all warm and fuzzy about themselves or is it about actually showcasing a real disabled experience yeah because a real disabled experience may make you feel uplifted but it may also make you feel discerned or a different or angry yeah, i would say it system. should it should right yes. like that's the whole point and that's how we have things like you're mean that you're talking about because if it angers you if you watch a documentary about the current uh medic the privatization of medicaid oh. and then hundreds of disabled people are dying yeah. where i live in iowa my friends are dying on Medicaid because they don't have access to proper care, that should make you angry. That should spring you into action. Disability isn't always about the warm and fuzzy feeling. And I know people are like, oh, disabled people are so angry all the time. Hell yes, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we are. And you know what? That's part of disability pride too. Um, Yeah, I did want to say... Like, uh, I do want to mention real quick, um, the whole, so disabled people, like, where are they? Like the question that you've been asked a million times about like, you know, where are the disabled actors? Well, I don't see any here. Well, you know, the audition studios aren't accessible for them to get to. Uh, I will just say that like, historically speaking, um, whenever I hear anybody say that it kind of just passes through one ear and out the other because that was literally the reason why capital crawl happened um and if people don't understand you know what that is um you know i would like i we've said before you know watch crip camp uh, so that you can learn about the disability rights movement um but you know we essentially occupied um you know washington dc in order to be heard to demand the ada be signed and ratified and all of that stuff um but, you know, the reason for 
not signing the ADA, one of the main reasons why um, lawmakers and stuff didn't want to bring that to fruition was because they said, well, where are all the disabled people? We don't see disabled people coming here and lining up and demanding whatever. So we did, and we had to inflict bodily harm upon ourselves to get where all of the legislators and stuff were just to be heard. Um, the obstacles, though they may be different now because technology is better, times are changing and things like that, all of this stuff with the film industry and the lack of access for disabled actors and actresses in the film industry is a sh an offshoot of that same exact movement that happened. Um, and luckily, <laughs> I, I hope that we don't have to do something that is as physically harmful as the Capitol crawl was to people. But, you know, after having this conversation and also knowing the little bit that I know that I do know about disability in film. Um, and as you mentioned a couple of times, we are moving in um, a, a, a positive direction. And uh, to, to borrow from what you said earlier, if we're in the golden age now, and I know I'm probably putting words in your mouth, but I have a feeling that you'll agree with me. I'm hoping that five, 10 years down the road, we'll be in the platinum age of, of disability representation. Yes. Um, so uh that unfortunately that's all that we have time for we're gonna have to bring you back on especially when I lou's know. here because to come on my instagram yes come hang out with me because i love i don't do these conversations enough but i do love it but no like you uh so used to being on the other side of the seat yeah there. no we i am more than happy to be to be on the non-host side it is a lot of it is a lot of mental real estate to uh to occupy this this seat um but uh before we go ahead before i go ahead and read all the concluding uh monologue off would you mind uh once again um, pitching your socials and your company and all of that stuff so that people know where to get a hold of you? Absolutely, Kyle. Again, thanks so much for having me on. Again, guys, if you want to get a hold of my disability uh, media company that's ran by a disabled woman, person of one, um, you can visit Disability underscore um, at or Sorry, I messed that up. We'll have to edit that out of the take. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but you can visit my Instagram, um, Aaron Claiming Disability LLC. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Um, probably my biggest platform is Instagram and TikTok. Um, you can check out my merch. I have, I'm the originator of the hashtag Pretty Disabled and Powerful. Um, access creates real inclusion. I have a whole bunch of merch um, and things that I do. Again, I have my own podcast that I have on Spotify, on iTunes, um, on all your streaming platforms. Again, please stream my episodes. Um, I've sat down with some amazing disabled actors, directors. We're out there. We exist. Um, and Again, we just need that visibility, right? Like, hey, hire this director. Hey, hire this disabled actor. Um, um, again, yeah, check out my podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Check out their podcast. Everybody has a podcast. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you know, I uh, give us the hookup. We'd love to host more 
um, more disabled people who are in the film industry. I think that that's definitely something that is uh, overshadowed and we'd like to kind of try to shine more of a spotlight on that, if you will. Well, and again, guys, if you're not from in um, the Easter Seals Film Challenge is a challenge that takes place every year in Hollywood. Um, it's ran by executive director Nick Novicki, who has a disability himself. Um, and he hires, like, they've done over 95 films. Like, every year they submit, like, 95 films from disabled directors, producers, writers, everybody from every sphere. And I would honestly say um, I started doing the Easter Seals Film Challenge in 19. I didn't, you know, I didn't have, like, movie editing experience. Just try. Just try just to get yourself out there and meet people. That's one of the biggest attributes of the disability uh, Easter Seals Film Challenge. You meet a lot of disabled actors, mm. writers, producers, and again, just support what we're doing. Because I think, it, and I don't know about you, Kyle, but it kind of hurts my heart a little bit as a disabled person. I mean, disabled people are out here doing so much. Like, yeah. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has like a a show. Everybody has, you know, and again, it's like, and then, you know, we're hit with, where are all these people? You guys are really vocal. I'm like, yeah. we literally, I literally have a disability media company. Like, yeah, so yeah, support disabled content creators. Uh, you know, the other side of that too is, you know, we do this as a thing for fun, but the goal is to be able to do this and no longer be on these terrible systems that we mentioned before. Um, I would very much like to no longer be on Social Security so that I could be on Medicaid, be able to afford all of this stuff on my own so that I could then help other disabled people uh, to kind of shirk the systems as well um to be uh you know more self-sufficient and not relying on a government entity because i'll tell you right now it's terrifying to you know wake up every day and literally not know whether you're going to be able to get the care that you need to survive because you don't know if that day for whatever reason you don't qualify but anyways i don't want to get off on that tangent i'm going to go ahead and, and read off the uh the uh, monologue and then we're gonna go ahead and end the show but don't hop off because we still need to get a screenshot um leave us a review on youtube spotify etc and if we get a good one we may just read it at the end of the episode thank you so much to our patrons whose names will display at the end of this episode remember we're just the tip of the spear disability rights are human rights we'll catch everybody in the next episode become a patron to support the show please take care everybody